This is the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians. Welcome back, Acipians. What I have today is what I, I guess, affectionately call stars, the current and upcoming stars of our field. And it's really fun to interview them because, oh my gosh, they're bright. They have everything that we need to make this a thriving specialty. And they're going to take it forward for us. We're going to talk regenerative medicine. We're going to talk opioids. We're going to talk about where we think the field... Boy, you didn't like this music either, do you? I really don't. All right. There we go. They're going to talk the future of where we're going to be. Not now, but, you know, 3, 6, 12 years from now. Because that's what really matters. Folks are getting out of fellowships and they're saying... Do we have a viable future? Of course you do. Pain isn't going away. Just how we treat it. How we treat it is going to involve a different approach to the, you know, the really, truly the pharmacology. We're going to have to, like, rethink that. But interventional techniques are, are so important because that's what can reduce the opioid load. That's what can improve function and quality of life. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Sherry bounced in. Sherry's a fantastic radiologist who helps at our programs, and we appreciate her so much. So get to these programs. we got some coming up, and you can go to the ASIPP.org website to see, what, four or five programs a year that every one of them is worth it. So as the ukulele music ends, so shall I. Let's get on to our guests. All right, we're American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, and this is a board meeting, was a board meeting. And uh, just a few minutes, I want to comment on how successful this meeting was because it's truly a, a real medical meeting that is patient-centered, and it's basically about outcomes, 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 punctuated by access to care. So we've got uh, the hard charge in uh, present and future of the organization sitting here and a special guest who's Oliver Fox News, et cetera, um, who is also a physician in New York City. So I want to uh, introduce, uh, and actually you've, you've heard Francis before, uh, Francis Regler, incoming president, American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, and this week took the gavel. So talk, talk about the meeting for a minute. Hans, we had a fabulous 19th, 19th annual meeting of ASIP this year. We had the highest attendance that we've ever had at one of our meetings. We had a fabulous program, nationally recognized speakers. And the vibe here at the conference has just been tremendous. Yeah, it is. And what's fun is we all get together, and we're not just anesthesia, radiology, we're physiatry, we're everything. We've got neurosurgeons, and I see a radiologist over there, and she's not, no way I'm going to get her on, I guess. I ambush people. And now we've got a past president sitting next to you to your right, Comment on the meeting. You've been to a few. I have. This was an outstanding meeting. We had a great faculty. We had great speakers. The program, uh, by the way, was really well thought out and put together uh, by the program committee. It was it was fabulous. Uh, uh, I really see a lot of uh, amazing things going on in our field, and I think that the future of interventional pain uh, is really strong. There's some very interesting developments out there. Uh, I'm particularly interested in regenerative medicine, and we had a very nice uh, program on regenerative medicine 
looking at some of the newer things that are going on. Uh, and uh, overall, uh, uh, the meeting was uh, outstanding. And uh, uh, Dr. Riegler, who is seated to my left, is the new president. And he's already started out uh, leading our board meeting today uh, beautifully. And uh, I'm sure that uh, he's going to have a really successful year. Yeah, his uh, speech, his acceptance speech, can I say that? Acceptance so. speech? It was really good. Um, I'm going to be coming in as president next year, so now I've got a bar. I've got to, I've got a bar to jump over. I'm not that eloquent, and I sound like ADD all the time. You all know that. But um, so the thing is, I've got to slow it down. i got to sound intelligent uh, because he did such a good job. All right, now here's youth. Debbie, oh. tell us about yourself. Uh Oh, well, I wasn't planning to do that, but I'm working in New York City, so I just started a private practice a couple of years ago and uh, was talking about that a little bit at this meeting. And then I also work for Fox 5 New York as their medical contributor. Okay, and, that's just a little thing. Say that yeah. again because it just flew over me. <laughs> now, she's a, a, a medical contributor to more than Fox. Yeah, so that I'm officially with Fox 5, but I do a lot of guest segments for the national news. So I've probably done about 500 segments yeah. now. Yeah, yeah well-known, uh, nationally known. <laughs> and you also work on the web. Uh, so I do some stuff on the web. <laughs> yeah, she's Dr. Debbie. Yeah, yeah. What you got to do is Google her. She's all over the place, and she's great. So what about the web? Uh, well, I mean, I'm just trying to use the web to actually get the message out. So it's more about the message about patient care and trying to teach, and, and not just patients, but also medical students, residents, fellows. I mean, we want the field to improve over time. And I think that was one of the highlights of this meeting. We had a really strong pain curriculum, so we covered all kinds of things that would be of interest to interventional pain. But then we also had some speakers that had other thoughts. So, uh, for example, Abraham Verghese was here, who's written a lot about the theory of medicine, practice of medicine. We we had Robert Wachter, who has talked about the digitization of medicine and kind of how talk. that's progressing. Mm -hmm. And then also we had uh, Rudy Giuliani, who I thought might be controversial, but he made a lot of great points about leadership and how things evolve. So I thought the the way everything flowed seamlessly together was really nice. Yeah. So we're, I'm looking at two presidents that are in the future here. So wouldn't you guys say that? Probably so. All right. So who's uh, off to your right here? So, hi, I'm Kaylee Butuel, and I am sitting here wishing that Dr. Kolodny had passed the microphone to me and left Debbie to be last, because <laughs> that's a really hard act to follow. So, so maybe if you are looking at two future presidents, maybe I'll have to go ahead of her for exactly the same <laughs> reason. Oh, no, 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 no. Where do you practice at? What do you do? I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, in a private practice. I'm an interventional pain management physician also. And as far as, you know, talking about the meeting, um, the meeting itself was really Outstanding. I think, as they touched on before, the, you know, really when it comes down to it, the bottom line is what's the curriculum? What did you travel all this way to come, to be exposed to, to learn? And that was really, really deep. I think that my biggest challenge at this conference was deciding when there was breakout sessions which ones to attend because there was more than one place I wanted to be. Yeah, you're right. Breakout sessions means that we don't just have a meeting in a big room. We split the group up. So we go to an awful, what, noonish or something. And then in the afternoon, there's like four different rooms running with different topics. What, what were some of your favorites? 
Uh, I, too, like Dr. Kaladi, am very, very interested in regenerative medicine. Uh, I think we're all right. deep, deeply convinced that that really is the future of our specialty. And one of the um, most important and sort of compelling things about ASIP as an organization for me is that it's really progressive. It's very, very much about not only looking at the future from a medical standpoint, but sort of ensuring its future in other ways, including advocacy and making sure that we have the business of medicine uh, also in our future. Yeah, and I was mentioning in the previous podcast, we just don't do this like doctors do to go out and say, I'm going to make more money doing something. No, no, you're away from your baby. You did some FaceTime this morning. It was really cute. I didn't have that. We didn't even know what FaceTime meant. We're the old guys Um, until a few years ago. And, you know, we're away from our family. You're a long way, Debbie, from New York, and you're newlywed. Uh, but we do it as a commitment to patience. And these two guys, these two presidents, uh, Aaron, how long have you been doing this? Well, I've been uh, doing this for well over 25 years. Right. And you do it for the patients, right? I do. Yeah. Uh, the, we have a patient-centered practice. We love our patients. And uh, they're the reason that I get up in the morning and go to work. Yeah. And, Francis, you're a California guy. Yeah, I've been practicing medicine now for almost 30 years, and I agree, it's got to be about the patients. If it's not about the patients, you may as well just roll over and go back to sleep. Yeah, I'm about 30 years in. Oh, actually, I'm 35. Oh, God. Um, And uh, losing hair fast, but um, that's part of the opioid crisis, I think. I started losing my hair when I started writing opioids. But the thing is, that is what you got to do. You got to stay fresh, you got to stay in touch and ahead. And doing that for 30 years, that's a commitment for our patients. And I guess that's a point I wanted to make. All right, Debbie, where's medicine going to be in five I'm back years? I'm in the hot seat. You are? Uh, <laughs> um, well, I think ultimately it'll still be the same in that we're focused on the patients and delivering the best care. So fundamentally that will be the same, but how we do it might be different. I mean, I think patients are going to have a lot more tools. They're going to come in a lot more savvy about their medical problems before they ever see us. And, uh, you know, the electronic medical record, these regulations, a lot of the th- battles that we're fighting with insurance, I mean, I'm sure those things will still be there, but perhaps there will be a um, you know, we'll be seeing those things in different forms. Yeah, what I want patients to do is to tell their doctor to get away from that damn computer in the room and look at them, touch them where they hurt, give them some explanation of where they're going to go and where they're going to be in 3, 6, 9, and 12 months at benchmarks. So tell your listeners to tell the doctors and other providers, um, get the technology away from our patient-physician relationship. Well, I I agree, but I think, you know, the reason that doctors are doing it it isn't so much that they want to be in front of the computer either, right? So No, we need it. Exactly. So because we have to have uh, everything sort of in the electronic medical record or electronic health record, it becomes more difficult for both parties, right? I mean, now we're using scribes in the office because it was just too much. At first I thought, well, I'm a really fast typer. I've taken those speed tests, and I can type like 95 words a minute. But it's not about that if you have a ton of clicks and you're trying to change the way that you're thinking so that it matches what the electronic medical record says. So hopefully that'll change over time. It will. Guess what? Sherry wants to say something. I can't believe Sherry's jumping in here. I'm going to say this to all your patients. Okay, Sherry, tell okay. us who you are. Tell you. Okay, tell us. I, I'm the radiologist. <laughs> oh, God. So 
I've, I'm a member of many organizations, and I will tell you that all, of all the organizations that I've been involved in, this organization has the most innovative, conscientious physicians. They advocate in Washington for patient benefit. Mm -hmm. They make sure that the people that train, train well and train properly. But the most important thing, not just that they're innovative and, and they keep on top of new things and they make sure that the new things that are coming out are safe for you. The thing that's most important to me is that these are some of the nicest, kindest physicians that I've ever had the privilege of being a part of or to know. And so you as patients, when you go to see your interventional pain physician, you make sure that he's a member of ASIP, A-S-I-P-P, American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, because all of the people that I've met in this organization are wonderful and caring. And they're working at it. All right? Go ahead. No, you're up. You had your hand up. What's the, oh oh I was, oh I, you know I think it actually ties to both what uh, Dr. Devi and to what Sherry both just said in in combination, which was that during the meeting one of the things that appealed to me, and being taught by collegial professionals who I respect for the same reason, a reason, uh, there were actually entire lectures that were about the fact that we are entering this computer age and we need to be both very, very savvy and be very facile when it comes to managing those things, but doing it in a very humanitarian way and making sure that that doesn't create something that is either a real or a perceived barrier to what we're really there to do. All right. That's... Excellent. You're the future. Um, so tell us what the future is going to be, because you're going to be taking the keys to this Cadillac. Is that what it is? <laughs> get it? So, I'm, all right. So where are we going to be in uh, like? Uh, I don't know, five, ten years. Well, I think that's similar to what Dr. Debbie said. I think that the beauty of living right now and doing what we do right now is that I think five to ten years from now, we have no idea what that's going to look like. I think that what we have to be is energized and open-minded and committed to educating ourselves and looking forward to that and making sure that we know what those things are, how we do them, if we should be doing them, and if we are, how to bring those to our patients safely. And to keep always being progressive and making sure that we're offering them the things that are on the leading edge. Yeah, you're right. So we talked a little bit today at the board meeting. We're going to be doing some uh, stuff to think like a 20-year-old and uh, get us, uh, I guess, as tech-savvy as possible. So closing comments, Sherry, what do you think? What? No, where we're going to be in five years. <laughs> uh, I, I agree with the my other two female cohorts. I don't think that we know for sure, but if we have any control of it over it, we'll be in a better place for ourselves and our patients. Yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly the right answer. Debbie? Oh, I think I answered this one already. So I'm going All to right, pass it off. <laughs> uh, well, I, um, I, I agree that uh, the computerization of of medicine is here to stay. We can't uh, get away from it. But I do think that what's going to happen over the next five years is we're going to figure out better interfaces so that uh, I think that uh, the EHRs that we see now are going to evolve. They have to. Uh, there's been a revolt against what we have now. And they will evolve and the interfaces will evolve so that the experience of the patient and the physician will be much, uh, much more natural 
Uh, I do think that, uh, for instance, the scribe idea is what I do as well so that I don't have to sit in front of the computer and I can just visit with my patient and somebody else is responsible for tapping on the keys. But uh, I feel that we cannot escape the fact that we're going to be using uh, electronic health records, but I do think that they will change uh, progressively to a... uh, to, to a situation where it's it's better for the doctor-patient relationship. So I think I think that is uh, definitely going to improve. And I want to comment about uh, your thoughts about uh, ASIP as an organization. Also, if you don't mind, no, go go. I am um, I think that ASIP singularly uh, uh, has uh, in a unique place in in our field. Uh, it. Uh, not only is it devoted to the science, uh, it's devoted to outcomes, but it's also devoted to uh, uh, protecting access uh, to these uh, techniques for our patients. And it does attract certain types of physicians. And I think just our field attracts certain types of physicians. You wouldn't go into pain medicine uh, if you were not a compassionate person. There would be no reason for you to want to be in this field. So I agree with you that many of the people in this field and most of the members of ASIP are, are just outstanding, compassionate, patient-centered physicians who really care about their patients and want to do the best for them. And this organization provides all those tools from an educational standpoint, from a guideline standpoint, from an advocacy standpoint that allows doctors to practice like that. Francis, um, you're going to end it up for us today. Uh, because you're the president, um, you get the toughest question. And I know this is a deep dive. You don't have to, I guess, take us down a rat hole, but there's an opioid crisis out there, and they're calling it an epidemic. To me, it feels like when I started to go through the HIV crisis, I'm old enough to have been on that leading edge of that. I was at a huge hospital. And so we had a lot of folks with this unknown disease, but it was devastating communities. I feel kind of the same way now with the opioid epidemic. What are we going to do about it? Well, the first thing we have to do is we have to have more rational prescribing on the front end of the problem so that we don't have physicians unintentionally getting patients into situations where they're at risk. We actually uh, talked about it at this meeting. That's the broad brushstroke of this meeting. And it it looks like uh, heroin's a mess. It looks like medical marijuana or, quote, marijuana... Uh, for clinical use is going to be an issue, and that's for the young ones here to deal with. That's coming your way. So, okay, hand the microphone around, and uh, any further comments on opioids and uh, any comments in general, and we'll wrap it up. Sure. I I agree that uh, we are in the midst of an opioid crisis. There's thousands of unintentional deaths from opioids. Uh, I think that... Uh, there are a lot of us that are uh, really working hard at addressing this issue. And ASIP, again, I hate to keep coming back to ASIP, but we've been, before we knew there was an opioid crisis, ASIP was already advocating for the proper use of opioids and teaching patients, uh, teaching doctors and uh, providing guidance for doctors and how to properly prescribe opioids. We've been doing that. That's part of the the DNA of our organization. Yeah, it's is over 15 years. Correct. So, and I do see, it's an interesting parallel that you drew with it, with the early HIV. I remember that. I was, I was around at that time too. You know, it was, it was scary. We didn't really understand it. And, uh, you know, the 
the pendulum swung way in a way where there was so much fear uh, mm-hmm. that it was just uh, ridiculous at times. And I think that some of that can be said about the opioid crisis now. Uh, I think that we'll come out to a point where there's some balance. I mean, obviously, there are patients that need opioids. They have intractable pain. They do well with opioids. But at the same time, we've got to, at the head of the spear is the physician who prescribes the opioids. We've got to make sure that that's done properly. And we've got to also make sure that we understand the relationship between the use of opioids and then uh, the use of other drugs such as heroin and fentanyl, uh, illegal fentanyl, and uh, uh, make sure that we clearly understand what, if any, relationship there is there because very often you look at the statistics for opioid deaths, and opioid deaths is not just prescription opioids. It includes all these other uh, non-prescription or street drugs, heroin, various types of fentanyl that are illicit, and that uh, that to some degree gives us or the use of opioids properly a black eye. So uh, there's a lot of challenges there, but ASIP has been looking at that for the long haul for over 10 years. You're telling me 15 years. And many of the other things that we do that we teach physicians how to do that we have in our guidelines are Uh, basically things that uh, provide pain relief without the need for opioids. So as we address this opioid issue, the other things that we do other than prescribe opioids, the bulk of what we do, the interventional procedures, are becoming more and more important. Yeah, you're right. And uh, Sandy Silverman asked a medical examiner or somebody uh, a really great question. He said if we see uh, in the postmortem Xanax, alcohol. We see um, all of these other drugs like barbiturates and the like. And then we see an opioid. Uh, which one killed them? And why do you call that an opioid death? Which one killed them? And so um, that's what we're dealing with. Debbie? Uh, well, I, I agree with uh, Francis and Aaron. I also think, you know, if you look at other areas of medicine like cardiology, maybe 50 years ago, if you had a heart attack or you had a stroke, that was pretty much it. Then all of a sudden we had all this innovation and these advancements in that area. And now, you know, if you have a problem, there's so many different medications that can be tried. There's so many different uh, interventions, whether it's stents, surgery, all of these things kind of increase the life expectancy, right? So if you think about pain, hopefully in the next 50 years, we'll have some other things that actually go more to the root of pain. Uh, Right now we're using opioids Sometimes, you know, very appropriately, especially, you know, usually if you're dealing with a pain management physician itself. Uh, but the thing is, we're using them because that's a, one of the best available tools that we have. Uh, but maybe, yeah, one of the cheapest. Yeah. And also for some people, because they're limited in terms of their other treatment options or, you know, you're tra- we're trying to look at their pain and their function. So I'm not saying it is the best, but for some people, it might be their best option. Uh, but hopefully, as we learn more about pain and kind of get things that are more targeted, then some of this may actually just disappear or fall by the wayside. And hopefully as advancements are made in the addiction field too, uh, there will be things that are more targeted there. So I think right now the difficulty is that it's hard to tease these two apart sometimes. Right drug, right patient. Uh, Sure, you don't uh, prescribe many opioids, do you? But you have a thought about this, I bet. I have a thought. You have a thought. Go ahead. (laughs) Your story about um, the HIV crisis reminds me of a time when I was standing over one of my patients and dabbing the sweat from his forehead and his arms as he looked up at me and cried and said that he was going to die, and he was. 
and he was back then. And it's not so now because we have innovative people that have come up with drugs that can prolong their lives and help many of them lead relatively normal lifespans, and it gets better and better. And I think the same thing is true for pain medicine. Right now we stand at a threshold of of different techniques for treating pain and and innovations are opening up for regenerative medicine, but this is just the beginning. We open a door and we look out on a vast valley that's filled with good things that we can come up with. And we have so many innovative, innovative people in medicine that can be even more creative about targeting, as Dr. Debbie said, the pain sources, that drugs may find themselves drastically reduced in their need, except for those people who really do need them. So it may be a moot point. Yeah, you're right. Comment? Um, yes. So obviously evolving, and I think that's the major point, and I really couldn't conclude with any more important points than the ones that have already been made. But I think maybe as an umbrella and a closing thought for myself would be that I would encourage physicians to be of the mentality that the ASIP members are, uh, educating yourself in a compassionate way, looking forward, making sure that you know what there is to offer, that you're really continuing to look forward and educating yourself about what's next, making sure that you're very adept in those things and that you're offering them to your patients. And from the patient side of that, I would encourage patients to take mo- more ownership of understanding the risks of yeah, previous right. failed therapies and actively looking for not only treatment options, but also treating providers who offer them a greater hope. Yeah, perfect. Anybody else want to say anything else before we close up? One more thing. All right. For those of you who have not seen Dr. Hans, he is not bald. He is actually quite a cute, handsome son of a gun. I'll second that. I'll take that. I'll, t- yeah, well, I'll take anything. Debbie, you on this one? Okay, there we go. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody. And uh, Francis, uh, congratulations. Aaron, congratulations. For Aaron, um, it's not riding into the sunset. I think you'll find a past president has plenty to do, and, <laughs> and you will be tapped. Um, and Francis got a busy year. You, you two are coming down the road. So I can't believe it, Sherry. It. Thank you so much jumping in here. And uh, thanks, everybody else. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There's a little logo music. So... They were really terrific, weren't they? Be active. Be a member. Uh, please uh, think of us when it comes to visiting Washington. That's coming up in a couple of months. In September, we have a trip to Washington, and it's a lot of fun. Please consider coming. Bring yourself. Bring your family. It, the, the best part of this stuff is, like I've said before, you're plugging your head in the light socket. Seeing how Washington works, seeing how your future matters, and listening to these legislators, I'm telling you, you'd be surprised. They listen to us, and results are happening. So, you know, until we speak again, please visit the website. Look at all the resources there. Pain Physician Journal um, is just one of the best resources of all, and it's free. So come on aboard. We'll see you soon.